that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to another Daily Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Beans from Cleveland.com. And coming to you now every weekday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, half-hour pods, the giant Wednesday pod. As usual, if you want to be our friend, you're our friend. If you're listening to this, you're our friend. It's okay. But if you want to really be involved with the podcast and get our daily communications, be able to vote on stuff, be able to send us questions, sign up free trial on our texts for 14 days. Send a text to 614-350-3315 and you'll get an easy link to sign up for that. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Friday. We just got off a conference call with Mark Pantone, Ohio State's Director of Recruiting, we talked to him for about 40 minutes, what's going on with Ohio State Recruiting. That's what we're going to mostly cover in this podcast. And things have changed a little bit. Nathan, what did you take away from Mark Pantone and what the biggest changes are for how Ohio State is going about recruiting in a world where the coaches can't be out on the road, no players can come to visit campus, but yet Ohio State, as we know, has still been racking up commitments? Yeah, and because they've, I think, racked up so many kind of no-brainer commitments, I mean, guys who are like no doubt big-time prospects, that we sometimes lose sight of what a lot of other prospects are, which are guys who would still be getting evaluated right now to decide whether Ohio State is ready to take a commitment from those guys if they've already offered them or even if they're going to start offering someone new. This is a time where a lot of evaluations be going on, either things you see in person, um, camps that would be going on in, in the coming weeks, and months and all that stuff has been canceled. It, it's the lack of kind of that in-person evaluation. And I think that, you know, it, it's, it's cute that Ohio state is number one in the recruiting rankings or whatever, but just having as cute. many commitments, having as many commitments as they have right now is going to be the most important thing because they've locked up a lot of spots in this, in this class that they don't have to fill now at a time where they can't do the evaluations they would normally do. By cute. Do you mean, Integral to them maintaining a high level as a program and competing for national championships? Is that what you mean by I think getting, being number getting one? great players is integral. Where, where we have them ranked is less important. Oh, my God. Are you really going to make us have a recruiting stars discussion about this today? Oh, please. Oh, please no, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. It, but I'm saying it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they were number one or number three or number six if they got the players they want. Oh, my God. Oh, it my doesn't. God. I, think it's a, I think it's a pretty big deal that they're the number one recruiting class, but, and it's like but, by far away they're the number one recruiting class right now. Because ranked, they have the most commitments right now. Right, but usually being ranked higher in the recruiting ratings is an indication of Of course it does. Of course it does. No one's saying that. No, talking, you say not, it. I'm not yeah, talking about the difference between one and 25. I'm talking about the difference between one and two or one and three. There you're starting to talk about a very negligible difference. There's no even reason to go down this road. All I'm Florida saying is that – All I'm saying is that it doesn't – I'm saying that the recruiting ranking is a thing you can thump your chest about, but the fact that they have the players is what's more important right now. If they're number one at the end of the day, at the end of this whole thing, that has more value. I'm saying right now the value is that they aren't – as some as some teams are trying to kind of scramble right now and and not having at a time where they need to get commitments and probably not being very sure about some of the guys they're going to have to end up taking commitments from that is, they definitely are not scrambling and 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 it, it's almost remarkable how unscrambled they are Stephen, it, it almost feels to me the way the mark pantoni talked about it today 
he was sort of saying like, well, we were sort of expecting to get a run of commits with these guys that we just thought that it would be because we're getting them in here in April. They'll be here for the spring game. Our coaches will be out on the road, but actually the, the commitments that they're getting, it feels like it's just on the normal path they would have been on anyway. Yeah, he said that to a fault. A lot of these guys, just getting them on campus in the spring would have just been the final check mark and them already making the decision that they already come up with in their heads. And so for a lot of these kids, it's if the only thing that's not checked off yet is me getting to this school, i.e. Travion Henderson, who, who has to, apparently taken the J.K. Dobbins route of, I don't need to see the school in order to commit here, then I'm just going to go ahead and do this because everything else on my list checks out and eventually I'll be able to get on this campus. Knock on wood that we all get out of the house one day. But to, to that point, yeah, it's that simple. A lot of these guys, that was just a final check mark for them and everything else checked off. So why not commit now? I, I thought uh, Mark Pantone did bring up the J.K. Dobbins comparison because J.K. Dobbins was never on campus before he committed. But he made the point, like, that's not really what they want to do. That's not their preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes a certain kind of kid. The film has to be there, but then basically y- you have to be just like a hundred percent sure of the kid from an off the field standpoint that you've been to his high school. You've talked to the people around him, his coach, his principal, um, his guidance counselor. You've talked to the family and that the kid has like an impeccable transcript that basically I think sometimes the visit is, is where, you get in with the head coach and, and maybe you, you get a final sense of like, what's the deal with this kid, Nathan. I just thought that the way Mark Pantone talked about it and he can't say Travion Henderson, but he was clearly talking about Travion Henderson in that regard. It really sort of hammered home to me, the idea of like Travion Henderson, who we know has a 4.0 um, is just the kind of guy that you've got to be pretty special for them to be, a hundred percent sure about you without you ever coming here. Well, yeah, I think it's also a really prudent choice for the athlete not to commit before he's been on campus too. I, you know, that's the other half of this. It's not just the trust that the the staff is putting in him. It's, it's, you're making a pretty big decision for your future to kind of be going in sight unseen. Now that he, I think he was also specifically talking about official visits. I know Dobbins was never on campus. Some of these other guys sometimes are on campus for camps or, or other kinds of visits before taking an official visit and still commit. Um, but yeah, I, I think it should, it, it speaks to the, what, what they really think of Travion Henderson. And, and as he was saying, it's, it's getting into these high schools sometimes. And even if you can't talk to the kid, you talk to the AD, you talk to the principal, you talk to other teachers, you're talking to multiple people on their, on the football staff. You're obviously developing a relationship with the parents. Um, multiple times today to different questions, he brought up transcripts and I'm, um, I think maybe sometimes people think of um, certain schools like, you know, these bigger state schools that you don't necessarily think of academics first in the way you would at like maybe Northwestern or whatever, or Vanderbilt. Like, you know, I don't know that I think of that first for Ohio State, but him, he brought it up multiple times as how much you can learn from a transcript about a kid who, even if he's got good grades, is he missing class? Why is he missing class? What's the story there? Um, it, it spoke a little bit to the kind of um, background research that these guys do on everybody that they think about bringing into the program. And it's just the point that Ohio State's at, and we've talked about it a lot. When you're a new coach at a program, when you're a program that's struggling, you've, if you want to win, you've got to take chances. You've got to go for talent and cross your fingers and hold your breath and sometimes look the other way mm-hmm. on some of the off-field stuff. When the talent is a given, they're going to get talented guys, then they can eliminate some guys based on 
maybe some off-field stuff and the, and the things that you're talking about. Although I get it. I mean, again, it's not Harvard. No offense to anybody. I mean, Ohio State's a very good school, but sometimes it's like, well, you know, we're so picky. It's so hard to get in here academically. It's like, listen, man, you get a lot of really talented football players in here and the football comes first and we all realize it. So like, we don't have to play games. It's not the Ivy league. Um, yeah. Steven, he brought up that the average ACT score was 29. I'm well, pretty sure it was asked about it. Well, right? and I'm pretty sure it's not 29 on the football program or the which basketball team anymore. And it, and it, and yeah, which is, yeah. I mean, so, which is fine. And I'm not criticizing. I mean, the, the players they get every year are uniquely skilled at something. I am not, that skilled at any particular thing in life. And just like you should make an allocation if you're really good at violin or you're really good in drama or you're really good at science, but maybe your full transcript isn't great. I think individual genius is an absolute reason to let somebody into a university. And you don't just need everybody in your freshman class to be a hundred percent well-rounded and equally good at everything. But also when the goal at Ohio state is, win national championships, sometimes like the academic talk, I, I get my fill of that very quickly. Because again, most of the time when coaches talk about academics is when they're losing. And it's like, hey, Brady Hoke can't beat anybody, but look at our G- team GPA. And it's like, if we want to play team GPA, let's play team GPA and let's not look at the final score on the football field. So Ohio State's a good school. They take good football players here. Steven, you asked Mark Pantone in particular about recruiting for the next quarterback in 2022. What were you sort of, of digging at there? What were you curious about? I Obviously, CJ Shroud was later, but they've done, Ohio State's done a really solid job, especially since Ryan Day has gotten here, of finding their quarterback extremely early. Jack Miller committed in 2018. Kyle McCord has been committed for almost a year now. Ohio State didn't have any commitments into 2022, and it's, we're almost in the – it's April, and they're still, they still haven't identified who their quarterback is going to be. Now, some of that might be because they've got two guys in 2020, and then in 2021 they've got a five-star kid. But also it's just quarterback recruiting is done totally different than any other recruiting. And so usually you do want to have a guy at least identified at this point maybe in the recruiting – recruiting process and Ohio State hasn't done that yet for 2022 and maybe because of what we're all dealing with right now it's kind of you know changed their timeline of when they want that to be done so for instance and I do think um, you know when Mark Pantone was asked is this having more of an effect on the 2021 class or the 2022 class I think a lot of us would assume well it's like well it's having more effect on 2022 because that's kind of where you're just getting started and it's hard to get started when you can't do anything. And 2021, you have more hay in the barn, but he said it's having more effect on 2021 because you're trying to finalize things because you're trying to go through these guys who maybe you want to get your eyeballs on at a camp um, before you make a final offer to them. I, I, I guess I understand what he's saying. Like I, I don't know. I mean, can I disagree with Ohio State's own recruiting coordinator, like about his own class? I don't know. I mean, I guess that would make no sense, but I do all kinds of stuff on this podcast that makes no sense. I think maybe for Ohio State, it is affecting 2022 more because to your point, Stephen, Kyle McCord committed on April 30th, 2019. Mm -hmm. So that would mean the equivalent of the next Kyle McCord, the 2022 Kyle McCord would be getting ready to commit at the end of this month. Maybe 
after he had come for the spring game, after he'd mm-hmm. been around a little bit. So it's not that he would be committed already necessarily, but I do think a lot of times, right, like the spring game, you're getting ready to start those guys popping on the next class. And it feels like it's going to have to be a situation where 2022 slows down a little bit because there's just no chance to build in-person relationships right now. And I was going to ask Pantone about this, but I, I wanted to use my questions for something else. Nathan, what do you think of the idea from talking to Mark Pantone today? What is your sense of how much in-person stuff truly matters in recruiting these days and how much honestly can they do in recruiting by A, watching film, B, communicating over FaceTime and through text with the player and the player's parents and the high school coach? And I wondered if, if maybe we're heading to, I mean, people are asking this question right now in all walks of life. Are we heading to a world where you don't need that much in-person stuff anymore? Because you can communicate remotely and figure each other out that way. Or do you believe that there is still a vital in-person part of recruiting that includes coaches getting out to see the kid where he lives and that kid getting on campus to check out Ohio State. I think one of the overarching themes of our conversation with him today was how much they try to whittle the potential target list before they have to get very deep into it. So his his point was that what they did in 2020, getting a lot of those guys early, is they really only had to recruit for one more spot going into February. Um, to, to keep Cameron Martinez locked up. The rest, that was time they got to spend on 2021 guys. And the reason that they felt like they were in front on 2021 was the work they were doing in like October, November, making sure they were had narrowed their focus to the guys that they really, really wanted and getting out in front of them. I think that's paid off in some of the, the commitments they've had. And they already had some at that point. So I, I think that is where the, the in-person stuff sometimes isn't as important because there are guys that you're going to watch on film and guys that you will get the relationship um, started via, you know, electronic from a distance from them, their families, their coaches, everybody around them. I, there are some guys who I think by consensus of a staff, you're going to identify and say, absolutely. We don't have problems with this guy. And you can, you're, you're probably comfortable, you know, taking that commitment earlier than later. I do think there are guys though, that it's, it's semi-critical because maybe they're at a smaller school. Maybe they don't have the same, um, what do I want to say exposure maybe they are coming off an injury or something like that and that's where those guys can impress and we've seen that in the past they show up to camps sometimes they're not even like the heralded guy at a camp and they're leaving with not just offers from Ohio State but maybe two or three schools because they they pop and they they show somebody something they flash and now they're out there and that happens sometimes only because they go to these camps and and show up and either something that they do on the field something you know people see that their measurements are legit or, or that they're even bigger than they were faster than they were expected. Like that, there is a tangible thing that can happen there. I, but I do think that Ohio state seems to have done a good job and it, it's Pantone and his staff that lead that, that effort of doing kind of recon and being out in front of who they really need to focus on and kind of and, and being able to, I think he said laser focus some of the recruiting that they did. It, that really, for people who, Maybe don't have a hundred percent of a grasp on what Mark Pantone does. He is he's that like he's the scout. And I don't mean scout like NFL scout. I mean like out in the field ahead of the rest of the people, sort of seeing what's up. And and he does a lot of film breakdown on young guys to establish initial contacts. Is is there a chance that this kid's gonna have Ohio State interest? 
especially if it's a, a, a non-Midwest kid? Is there somebody in his family? Um, is there is there a connection through a coach? Did he like the uniform, Ohio State uniforms when he was a kid? Is there a connection that can get us in the door? And is the film of him being a young football player worthy of our time? And I thought one of the, the funniest things Mark Pantone said, because he's doing that, he and his staff are doing that, and the coaches aren't digging in on that because the coaches are trying to coach football, especially at a time like this in spring football. They're so busy with that. Pantone's watching ninth graders. And then he's telling the coaches, these are, this is the smaller group you should look at. He was saying the coaches now have more time to watch film and Kerry Combs is watching 2022 kids and came in and said, man, these guys all stink. And Pantone had to tell him like, yeah, they're 14 brother. <laughs> like Kerry Combs was just dealing with millionaire grown men in yeah. the NFL for the past two years. Now he's watching a ninth grader play football and Kerry Combs transition. I'm supposed to recruit this kid? And Mark Pantone spends his life projecting. You're watching a kid. He said, Stephen, to your question about quarterback play, he said there are kids ranked among the top quarterbacks for 2022 who haven't even played varsity yeah. yet. That if you're a quarterback at a really good program, you, you, don't, you don't get to play varsity because there's a D1 kid ahead of you. You might not play varsity until you're a junior. So I thought that was fascinating to have these coaches that like are having to look at football in a new way and you look for traits, you look for flashes, you look for something that you can tell is there early on in the guy. And I understand why that might be hard. Steven, one of the things that Mark Pantone hammered, and we've reported about this on the tech subscription in the past, like how, how have they done this? How have they locked up 15 recruits so far? And he talked again about the camaraderie of this class and how they're recruiting each other. But they always do that. I thought it was pretty interesting that he said this is the most camaraderie he's ever seen in a class. What did you think of that? I, it's not surprising. I think it grows every year. You saw, Legend Cavazos was clearly that guy in 2020 who was the spearheaded recruiter of the recruits. Ben Christman has emerged as that. Jack Sawyer does it a lot. There's just more legends in this class, that's not right. Like weird thing. There's more legend Cavazos is in this class of guys who are publicly doing it. Every time somebody tweets a graphic or a top 10, top seven, or even some emojis, you'll see someone, somebody in this class just hop on them immediately. Travion Henderson's gotten in on it now. It just seems it's, it's more guys doing it instead of just being able to look at some recruits and go, hey, who's the main guy recruiting? Well, it's four or five guys who are doing it now. And it's, he said it like they're, they're on a group chat now. It just seems like there's more of them getting involved in it. And that's because at this point in the recruiting cycle, there's more guys already committed than there were in the past, maybe. Yeah. And that's why I think as we sort of talked before, what has happened so far is just they've been able to stay on the same timeline because those guys had that connection. They maybe didn't have to get on campus again in the spring to do what they wanted to do, and really all the work was done. Now I think is when Ohio State, a lot of other schools have already probably seen their plan thrown off. Now is when I think you might see Ohio State have its plan thrown off because they can't have camps, because they're not getting final looks at guys. Maybe you wind up leaning more on film. I just – everything's an individual – situation with recruiting and it's hard to make generalizations but I did just I tried to ask like does this mean would you lean more towards Ohio kids because maybe you feel like you have better relationships with those high school coaches and you trust them more and so if you can't get your eyeballs on a kid at camp 
would you lean on that? Even if you go national, would you lean on coaches and programs where you have a previous relationship? Would you be more reluctant to not, you know, to take a kid that you sort of have never recruited that school before? He didn't really have it. He didn't really answer that, but I don't know. I'm very curious. And like, if there's a trend of like, when all this is over, will we say, were the three stars hurt by this? Were, did national recruiting, was it on a much lower level? Did more kids end up committing to a school within 150 miles of their house than in previous classes? Nathan, like, do you know what I'm saying? Do you think there will be yeah. a trend like that in the end that when we look at the class of 2021 or 2022, there will be a statistic that shows us the effect of coronavirus? Maybe. I think it'll be interesting to see if there is a, a uptick in transfers like two, three years down the line, maybe even just one year in um, just from guys who didn't feel like they got to make that relationship the way that they wanted to and, and decided that they needed to look somewhere else. Um, I could, I could very easily see that sort of thing happening. All right. So one of the things, Mark Pantone, again, I think most people listening to this get Mark Pantone. He's a mover and a shaker. He helped um, sort of create the position that he now holds as sort of a recruiting guru. He looks at himself as a director of personnel, almost like the general manager um, of the Ohio State roster. It's, it's not just recruiting, it's really roster management. And I did try to ask him about, they're at 87 on the, on the uh, scholarship count right now. They have to get to 85 by the time practice starts in the preseason. We know that. I just thought maybe there might be tougher roster decisions because you didn't get spring football for everyone to kind of have a final realization. And he said, it always works itself out. And it, and it does because no team has ever forfeited a season because they had too many guys on scholarship. You get to 85 by hook or by crook, but sometimes I think it can be more painful um, if everybody's not on the same page. So he didn't really answer that. But Mark Pantone, again, is a leader in college football recruiting. He started a symposium. Um, I wrote about this when I sat down with him a couple months ago. It was like 180 people last year. Then the next one was like 300 people, these recruiting gurus from around the country. But when he was asked about what might change out of this, he kind of went off on a tangent and he clearly has thoughts on this. He said there are too many offers out there. He said there are some schools that are offering 300 kids. And obviously we've had explanations on cleveland.com and talked about it on here, a committable offer versus a non-committable offer. A committable offer is, hey, we want you. And if the kid immediately says, yes, I want to come, then Ohio State says, come on, you're here. You're in our class now. That's usually what happens with five-star kids. A lot of the other offers are for show. Obviously, that's how you offer 300 kids. Mark Pantone would like that to change. Nathan, what did you think about him sort of bringing that up and how could it possibly change? I guess the only way it could change is if you are limiting teams from how many offers they can give out. But I, I, I that seems impractical to me too, because these offers are not um, official in any way. It's all just something someone said to somebody, maybe, probably. And what did they really say? Like you're saying, is it committable? Is it non-committable? What is a real scholarship offer? Um, I don't see any way to really be able to, to limit this. And I think it also starts to bleed into that tricky area of, well, are, is, is that, if you're restricting this from the school standpoint, that's one thing, but are you then also somehow restricting an opportunity for a student athlete 
And that's something that we're working in the opposite way in every realm of, of doing. It's all about getting more opportunities for student athletes and, and, and doing things that are in their benefit. So I don't really know practically how to get to what he's talking about. I think it's one of those things where um, there'd have to just be sort of a collective sanity reached by the coaching profession. And I don't have any confidence that that would happen. Yeah, collective sanity in college sports is uh, not a good bet. Um, he mentioned that there are schools that offer up to 300, and we know that they're out there. Just a quick check on 247 Sports, and again, their recruiting database is great. And and how do we really know that even this is is actually, quote, true or correct? And that's not anything about 247. It's that recruiting is such a nebulous thing, the coaches can't publicly talk about anybody until they sign a national letter of intent. So there's all kinds of gray area. Mark Pantone, he's complaining about a thing that Ohio State participates in. It's not like, hey, this is stupid, so we don't do it. It's like, hey, this is stupid, so we have to do it. By the 247 database, I just looked up two schools. In the class of 2021, they say that Alabama has 200, it happens to be a round number, 200 offers out to kids. And 247 lists Ohio State as having 169 offers out to kids. Now, that's not 300. It's also not 40. Jim Tressel, my early days of covering this team, on signing day would brag about the fact that, hey, we offered 41 kids and we signed 24 of them. They saw a good conversion rate of offers to letters of intent as a good sign for Ohio State. Now, everyone just throws a million offers out there. Stephen, is it a negative? Is there actually a, is it a bad thing either for programs, for players, for fans and understanding it is offering 170, 200, 300 scholarships actually bad? Yeah, I think it's bad because all, like just some things that Nathan just said, first of all, they're not all committable offers, but also it turns into more of a, a spectacle than, you know, you trying to build a roster because now it's, 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 kids are going to do what they're going to do, but when you send out 150, 250 offers, there's kids out there who have, you know, 40 plus offers and congratulations that you have that many offers, but it creates these opportunities for, it's almost, it's not quite free agency, but it's under the approach of it is kind of the same. And, and to regulate that would be like, you're saying you're going to have scholarship cap space. Basically you can only send out 80 offers and this is what it, it's free agency. So it's no different than what you see in, in pro sports from that standpoint of how it's become a, more of a spectacle than a team trying to build a roster. So, so I think there's two aspects of this. So the first aspect is, is the spectacle, as you said, Stephen. So for both of you guys, when a kid says, I'm cutting my top 25 down to a top 15, down to a top 10, down to a top seven, and that kid has Ohio State on his list, but actually if he told Ohio State right now, I want to come to Ohio State, Ohio State would say, well, you can't. We're not taking you right now. But if you want to put our logo on your graphic, A, it's exposure for Ohio State. Mm -hmm. B, it makes you feel cool that you have Ohio State on your graphic. Like that part of it, the spectacle. Nathan, does, is there harm in that? Is there harm in the spectacle? Well, I think there's only benefit for the program in the long run. You got to remember a lot of this stuff is political. It, some of these relationships that you build, you know, even if you if you know you build a relationship with player X and you've already taken 
player A and player B in that class, and maybe you're done, but you know that player X is from an area of the country or a particular school or whatever that you want to have a good relationship with, there's no harm in maintaining a relationship with that guy, even if you're not expecting to take him uh, or accept an, a, a commitment from him. And if he puts you in his top five or whatever, um, and you know that he's really focused on three, but he wants to put out his top six or whatever, um, so be it. I, I think that it's only benefits the school really in the long run. I don't know where it hurts Ohio state to, to like you're saying, I mean, every time a kid whittles his list um, and I guess to let you all who are listening in on a secret, like when a kid puts out a top 12 and I'll write up a post about it, but I don't really feel like I'm telling you a lot of important information necessarily. Cause I don't <laughs> believe that 12 is not, a, you can't possibly be considering 12 schools equally at this point of your recruitment. I don't think, I mean, that just, I don't, I'm calling BS on that. So whatever reason you want to put out 12 teams is fine, and we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and say it. But people just need to be kind of savvy about how they read some of that stuff too. I mean, the one thing is we are a nation of spectacle, right? I mean, if, yeah. if someone makes a movie, all you really need to do is go see the movie. We don't need a red carpet premiere. We don't need the stars of the movie to get dressed up and be interviewed on the red carpet about like – what they thought of making their movie, but we do it anyway. When we have the NFL draft, you don't need to walk across fountains in Las Vegas, but that was the plan. We love spectacle. So I, I don't know that the spectacle is a problem. This is to me the only problem. If a kid gets confused, if a kid thinks he has a committable offer, but it turns out it's not committable. And all of a sudden he is turning down opportunities that are committable to throw in his lot with the school that actually doesn't want him. That, if you're screwing the kids, that's the issue. Steven, does that make sense to you? That like, Or is there some other part of it beyond if the kid's confused, that's a huge problem. Is there another part of it that's bad? Or is it just that? No, that, no it's, it's literally just that. And that can go into what the top – whatever number is a lot of times it's not because oh the sometimes maybe the kid didn't windle you out of it sometimes that school just stopped talking to you and so you windled your list down and it, from the outside looking in it can look like oh this kid has limited his he's he's zeroed in on his choices when sometimes those choices can be zeroed in for you and like you know but it, it looks more positive when a kid can say that he's the one in control of what is of what's going on here. But no, it's only, it's only a negative when it's hurting the kid. Yeah, to me, the much bigger problem than the offers going out are the ones that get accepted. And somebody writes a story, I think, every year, every time it comes close to signing day, somebody that covers some team is writing a story about, well, a week before signing day, they got a call from coach saying like, hey, we don't have a spot for you anymore. And they've been mm -hmm. committed for months. Um, that's the kind of thing that needs to be taken out of college sports more than how many offers they put out in the first place. So because I think people are going to – People Go are going to comment, and the because then people will comment and and make it seem like it was the kid's fault that the kid flipped on signing day. When sometimes it's not always just the kid flipping on signing day. Well, yeah, and and like sometimes every now and then it's like a kid flips from like Ohio State to Bowling Green, and it's like, yeah. listen, <laughs> that was not the kid's choice. <laughs> no, like it's a flip, but understand what the deal is. Nobody all of a sudden decides uh, instead of going to Alabama, I'm going to go to Minnesota. Alabama decided they don't have room for you anymore. So that kind of thing does happen. What I do think is the case right now, the vast, vast, vast majority of the time is the schools get it, the kids get it, and they throw the spectacle out there for us, 
for literally for us, for the three of us to write about and for the people listening to this podcast to follow and talk about and think about. And so I'm a little surprised that, again, it's like, why are we talking about this? It's because Mark Pantone wants it to change. And Mark Pantone is one of the most influential people in college football recruiting. So I think the only way it truly changes at all is if you go to a there's no more signing day and kids can sign whenever. And if you're going to actually offer a kid, you're going to send him a form and say, this is your offer. If you sign your name to it, you now are a, not a verbal commit. You are a pledged commit to our university. We are going to honor your scholarship regardless. You are in our class. You can't change your mind and go to somebody else unless we let you out of it. That's how you change the offer system. There's often been talk about that stuff. Stephen, I'll start with you. Would you favor that instead of the current system where there is a signing day and a certain period of time? Would you favor you can just sign whenever? Uh, I don't know about just sign whenever because let's just take somebody like Kyle McCord, who's been committed since the end of his sophomore, the end of his sophomore year. It's, what if he changes his mind on you know two days before he's supposed to graduate from high school? So I'm more in favor of why don't you you cannot send out a official you cannot offer somebody until a week before signing day. You can do the recruiting, you can do it, you can build a relationship, you can do all that, but there's no confusion on anything because it's not until seven days before where there's like a, here's a piece of paper that within this period you can sign with us, with us if you want to because then you know. It gives them some time to build a relationship and, you know, things can waver with relationships over time. But offers are fake anyway. I mean, it's like yeah, the, only si- way to, yeah. Yeah, the only way to do that is to make the offer a, a, an official thing in some way. Like here's a document that goes through the NCAA saying we have offered a scholarship. And that's just adding a layer of bureaucracy to this that I'm not sure anybody wants. So Nathan, well, no, you- that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you just don't, you can't send out the official offer form. So there's no offer at all. You can't come out here and say in the in the middle of of July saying I have an offer from because no one has an offer until seven days before signing signing day. You've just been building a relationship and going through the recruiting process. But what if but, they? What if you say to a kid, I didn't send you anything, but if you want to come to Ohio State, we want you. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's what's what already is. kind of happening. I mean yeah. that, that already is yeah, what it is basically. Yeah. I don't think that's going to really change anything. It's just going to it'll change the terminology, but it won't change anything in 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 actual fact. Nathan, would you change the current system in terms of actual letters of intent and signing days or no? I don't understand why there isn't more leeway for when a, if a player wants to sign, he can sign, I, I, you know, and, and it works both ways. You know, he is he is locking himself in. So you're unless unless they change that, too, I suppose. Um, and maybe that is something that would happen in the long term that they would then say, hey, the player can back out whenever he wants, I guess. I don't know, because we are going to something that's more lenient for the, the athletes. But I, I, I kind of agree with what Steven said earlier. Like, I don't understand why we have to wait until December or February. If a guy commits that early and he wants to commit uh, as a junior, you know, uh, at the end of his junior year or whatever, maybe have a summer signing period. I don't know, but make another signing period so guys who want to commit can get in. I, I actually think I, a lot of schools will probably be in favor of that just because it d- lets them do what Ohio State did this year, which is if you get a big haul early in one class, you get to start earlier on the next one or focus a little bit more intensely on the next one. I, again, it's just, it's interesting to me. I would love to just sit down with Mark Pantone and like talk about what his ideal um, 
structure for offering scholarships would be because I actually think the way it works now isn't terrible because there's a lot of other pressures that sort of keep the schools in line. Cause in the end, it's not about the schools. I don't care about the schools because there's always another kid. These kids only have one opportunity. They only have one life. They only have one chance um, to go through this process and the schools are always experts at it. And the kids very seldom are. So what happens at the moment is, a lot of times the, the outside pressures of like how bad it looks if a school offers you a scholarship and then pulls it late, right? That's mm -hmm. going to tick off your high school coach. He might, we've seen high school coaches tell colleges, you can't come recruit here anymore. You might get a bad reputation that like your, your word can't be trusted. There are some outside forces that kind of keep colleges in line right now that it's not smart business to screw over kids on a regular basis. And so then I think the rest of it works decently because I think I, I wouldn't be against being able to sign a letter of intent right away, but then I think the kids locked in, you know, if there's a coaching change, either maybe your position coach or the head coach, or if the school has an NCAA issue, then I think you're out. But otherwise, like if Kyle McCord commits to Ryan day, he could have signed it in April of 2019 and he's done. And if he is terrible, if he has two terrible football seasons, Ohio State's still paying his scholarship. And if, but if he wants to all of a sudden decides that he wants to go to Alabama, he's locked into Ohio State. So it would be a two-way street. I, I think I would be in favor of that, but I don't think the way it works right now is awful. So I'm, I'm really interested in, in Mark Pantone's ideal scholarship world. So we can get to that in a future podcast. Um, my upstairs bathroom flooded and crashed, leaked through the ceiling into our kitchen wow. a couple nights ago. So that's what's going on at my house. Uh, Steven, what's going on at that? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> nothing that bad. Um, not much. Just hanging out. My roommate actually has to go into work every so often because he's an accountant. But other than that, he, we're, you know, we're just hanging out. We do work from home and play video games. You know, the normal mid twenty stuff. Yeah. Nathan, how you hanging in? Pretty good. I made a, a fantastic uh, grilled cheese and turkey sandwich for lunch today. Uh, I don't remember the last time I bathed. That probably should happen at some point today. Um, wow. I'll just decide whether I want to do it before or after a long walk because it's amazing outside. I hope people are getting outside today. It's tremendous. And that's why they have a long walk first. Long walk first and then bathe. I think so. I think that's the call. That's the call I made yesterday too. That's a call I made yesterday though, and then I didn't take didn't take the shower. So I think Nathan's two most famous quotes on this podcast so far in his history on Buckeye Talk are everything is covered in fecal matter, fecal matter, and I can't remember the last time I bathed. So that is Nathan Baird in a nutshell. I think I don't think I've bathed in I'm trying to remember if I've bathed in April. I think I may have taken a shower on days, Wednesday. Yeah. I think well, I took no. on Wednesday. Okay. We need some photo documentation of this. Hey, oh, so my, hair is, my hair is getting uh, a little bit crazy. Nice. Yeah, um, we need barbers back. This is – that's – of like the, all the first world problems going on, not having a barber is probably at the top of the list. At some point, we're just going to have to take clippers and, and buzz them or something. Like I'm going to have to just – no vanity involved, just like – to have a to have a a reasonable pile of lettuce again. I had a mullet in high school, and I am ready to go back to the mullet if need be. Oh, so, um, <laughs> all right. So that's our daily podcast from Cleveland.com. Um, coming up next week, this is our plan. Unless news breaks, a draft for the Ohio State spring game that will not happen. 
Stephen Means drafting one team, Nathan Baer drafting another, Doug Maurice serving as commissioner slash heckler. Um, we will do an offense draft and a defense draft. So this will tell you what Nathan and Stephen think about the players on this team. They'll be drafting a starting offense and a starting defense. One will do on Monday. One will do next Tuesday. And then we'll come back next Wednesday, Wednesday with our giant Buckeye talk. But make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're catching us every day. Thanks so much for listening to this one. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was our daily Buckeye Talk.